verse 16 through 18. I want to talk about walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16 through 18. These verses of Scripture you just couldn't get away from this week. So let's look. It'll be on the screen. It's on your handout. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Let's look beginning at verse 16. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. The main focus tonight will be verse 16. I want to read it one more time. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to say by way of introduction that Christians don't always act like we think Christians should act. And you can just look at your own life and, and know that to be true. The fact is, the truth is, inconsistency in our Christian walk is something we all battle. Inconsistency in our Christian walk is something that we all struggle with. One day we can be full of love for people, full of patience, full of long-suffering, full of peace, full of joy, and then one day, the next day, people can get on our nerves and we're ready to snap. We've got a short foot fuse and we're ready to tell people off. Uh, we struggle with being consistent. But the fact is, we don't want to live that way. All of us want to be more consistent. We want to be joyful and we want to have peace and we want to honor God and we want to bring glory to Him in everything that we do. We don't want to live the roller coaster lifestyle. We don't want to be up and down. We want to live consistently. But usually we go about it the wrong way. We often think that if we have certain rules and certain convictions, that's going to help us meet more consistent. And there's nothing wrong with convictions and there's nothing wrong with standards, but rules and formulas and standards and convictions aren't the answer to a more consistent life. Convictions aren't the answer to a more consistent walk with God. The answer to a more consistent walk with God is the presence and power and person of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives. You see, when God saved us, He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could live the Christian life effectively. You see, God didn't save us and then leave us to live the Christian life alone. He gave us the Comforter to abide with us. And when He gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to live for God. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength we need to overcome temptation and to overcome sin. But yet Paul tells us in the text that we read that the flesh is in opposition to the Spirit and the flesh often influences us and leads us to do things that we shouldn't do. We all know the power of the flesh. We all know the pull of the flesh that sometimes we know the right thing to do but the flesh leads us to do things we know is wrong. That's the influence of the flesh. And so the answer to a more consistent life is found in verse 16 where Paul says, Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the answer to a more consistent life. Walking in the Spirit. And so tonight I've only got one point and two questions that I want us to look at. So 
My point tonight is this. The Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. The Spirit enables us to overcome the flesh. And if we're going to crucify the flesh and deal with the flesh and overcome the desires of the flesh, it's going to take the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that the Spirit and the flesh, they're at war with each other. They're constantly struggling. They're constantly battling. They're constantly opposing one another. And the reason there's this war that's taking place because they've got different appetites. They've got different desires. They've got different things that they're trying to work towards. The Spirit wants to please God. The Spirit wants to honor God. The Spirit wants to glorify God. But the flesh wants to please self. The flesh wants to do things that make flesh feel good. The flesh wants to make flesh feel good. The Spirit wants to do what's right. And you'll notice here that Paul tells us that the Christian can't simply will to overcome the flesh. He says these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. He's telling us here that we can't win the victory in our own strength and by our own will. He is telling us that we have to walk in the Spirit. He says if we walk in the Spirit, we won't carry out the lust of the flesh. He says we won't give in to our sinful nature. We won't give in to our sinful desires if we'll simply walk in the Spirit. But notice, he, he doesn't say the sinful desires will go away. He says they'll be there, but if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't give in to it. You won't satisfy that sinful side of you if you'll walk in the Spirit. And that causes me to think about the question, if God can save me, why didn't He just take the sinful desires away? And here's what I began to think about. That struggle inside helps me to recognize my need for God. That struggle between spirit and flesh causes me to be dependent on Him. It causes me to practice repentance when I fail. It causes me to be humble and recognize I can't make it without Him. You see, we, we, we don't want the struggle, but the struggle points me to God. It helps me lean on God. It helps me to know that if I'm going to overcome, I've got to look to Him. Paul wants us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the key to living a victorious life. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us power. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us freedom. The Holy Spirit's the only way to overcome the lust of the flesh. You see, the Spirit will defeat the flesh if we will allow Him to. How many understand tonight that the Holy Spirit's greater than our flesh? The Holy Spirit's greater than our sinful nature? 1 John 4, 4, look at the very last part of it. It says, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. We have someone on the inside of us that's greater than the enemy in the world. That's greater than our fleshly desires. The Holy Spirit inside of us is greater than anything we'll face in life. And the Holy Spirit can help us walk in complete victory. Through the Holy Spirit, 
We can be victorious. We can overcome sin. We can overcome temptation. Listen, we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fall. But here's the thing. We have a say in what we allow into our lives. You have to understand that. Even though we don't have to fail, often we do fail because we have a say as to what we allow in our lives. What does that mean? That means you have a choice as to what you allow into your life through what you listen to and what you watch. You have a choice as to who you allow yourself to hang around and the places you go. You see, anything that we allow into our life that brings temptation to us can set us up to fail. Let me say it this way. If we set ourselves up to fail, we shouldn't wonder why we fail. Right? If I set myself up to fail, Brother Lynn, I shouldn't be scratching my head as to why I fail. In other words, if a person struggles with pornography and they allow pornography in their house, they shouldn't wonder why they failed with pornography. If a person struggles with alcohol and they allow alcohol into their home, they shouldn't wonder why they fail with alcohol. They set themselves up to fail. Now here's the thing, there's some things we struggle with that's maybe not so prevalent. Maybe, maybe it's not alcohol, pornography, maybe it's gossip. Well, if you get around people who you know are gossip, maybe you just have to kind of avoid them. But here's the thing, if we aren't careful, we all set ourselves up to fail in some way. And you just have to be aware of it. Let me say it another way. If you mess around with it, sooner or later you're going to give in to it. Proverbs, written by one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon. He said this, Proverbs 6, 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? You, you, you want to know what he's saying? It's what my mama told me growing up. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. In other words, if you mess around with sin, it's going to catch up to you. If you flirt with it, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of it. You see, the reason we don't have a consistent walk with God all the time is because we don't consistently walk in the Spirit all the time. You see, what Paul is wanting us to understand in Galatians 5.16, you're either going to walk in the Spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh, and which one you walk in determines the outcome. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll be victorious. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to fail. Which one wins depends on which one you yield to. That's our life. We want holiness. We want sanctification. So which one do you have to surrender to? You have to surrender to the Spirit. You have to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key to holiness. Hear me well. Holiness comes only from the Holy Spirit. Holy living doesn't come from our performance for God, but from His performance through us 
by the Holy Spirit. All we need to live a holy life according to the will of God is the Holy Spirit who is given to us the moment we believe. That's it. Let's look at the first question I want to answer. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Number one, to walk in the Spirit means we allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives. To walk in the Spirit means we allow the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives. In other words, we must submit to the Holy Spirit's control and allow the Holy Spirit to influence us. You have to let Him influence you. You have to let Him control your life. And we don't like someone else to control our life. We don't like someone else calling the shots. That's why we go back and forth, being consistent. Number two, to walk in the Spirit means that we live under the Holy Spirit's power and not our own. These two ideas go hand in hand. To walk in the Spirit means that we live under the Holy Spirit's power and not our own. Some translations read instead of walk in the Spirit, they say walk by the Spirit. That if you're going to live the Christian life, you have to walk by the Spirit's power. Do you understand that's the only way you can live the Christian life? Is walk by the Spirit's power? Walk in the Spirit's power? That you can't do it by yourself. That you need a greater power than your own. You need a strength greater than your own. You need a, an ability greater than your own. Why is it that we think we can do this without Him? We can't. Why is it that we think that we can just go out and somehow I'm going to be a better person this week? be better unless the Spirit of God helps you be better. Well, preacher, I've got my convictions. I've got my standards. Good. But you can't meet your own convictions unless the Holy Spirit helps you meet them. In fact, let me say this. We ought to be more concerned about Bible than our own convictions. Because sometimes we elevate our convictions over Bible. This is more important than our own personal things. I know it's quiet, and there's only a few of us, but here's the thing. This is more important than anything else. Because this is what the Holy Spirit's going to help us live up to. Be more like Jesus. And what this says. But daily we have to surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit. You understand that every day of your life the Holy Spirit is present? And yet so many times we are like the Holy Spirit is the stepchild of the Godhead. He's always present. He's the comforter who Jesus said He'll abide with you forever. But He's always present, but guess what? You've got to stay in touch with Him. 
And you've got to always be open to His guidance and His correction. The only way to successfully live the Christian life is through the Holy Spirit. We will constantly fail if we rely on our own strength and ability. That, that, that's why there, there are some believers that they take a few steps forward and they always seem to go back. They're trusting their own strength. They're trusting their own ability. They're up and they're down and they're all over the place. Number three, to walk in the Spirit is a choice that we have to make daily. Daily, you have to decide, I'm I'm going to surrender to the Spirit and I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Listen, there's not this magical thing, mystical thing where God just zaps us and automatically we walk in the Spirit. The word walk in verse 16, it's a present imperative. It refers to a continuous action. So Paul is saying, you've got to keep on living, keep on walking in the Spirit. He's telling us this is a process. What do you do with a walk? You keep putting one foot in front of the other. Listen, there's nothing flashy about a walk. But I guess what? You keep walking, putting one foot in front of the other, eventually you'll get from point A to point B. You'll get where you're supposed to go. So you just keep walking. That means every day just keep taking one step toward the light. Keep walking with God. And you'll get where you're supposed to go. Paul wants us to understand that walking in the Spirit is a daily continuous action as believers. Walking in the Spirit means that we need moment by moment contact and guidance by the Holy Spirit for daily decisions and activities. Every decision and choice we make has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. But here's what we often do. We make decisions and never consult God. And then we're praying, oh God, bail me out. Listen, if we're praying, God, bail me out, that means we haven't been walking in the Spirit. Because God has got us. We've got to learn to cultivate an ear to hear the Holy Spirit when He speaks. Listen, He's speaking. And the more you listen for His voice, the more you'll hear Him. I can't help but think that sometimes we're just too busy and our lives are just too crowded with noise that we can't hear His leading. You know, when God met Elijah on the mountain, it was a still small voice that God spoke to Elijah with. God didn't speak through the fire, the wind, or the earthquake. It was a still small voice. In fact, some translations say it was a whisper. You want to know why I believe it was a whisper? Because God was close. To hear a whisper, you've got to be close. And do you know that's what God desires? God desires to be close. Because He wants to whisper. He don't want to have to shout at you. He wants to be close. Sometimes you just need to stop and listen for God. And He'll guide you. Number four, to walk in the Spirit means we go where the Spirit leads. Look at verse 18 again. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Notice that. If you're led of the Spirit. Notice Paul doesn't say that he drives us. 
He doesn't force us. We're led. You're led of the Spirit. And so Paul is telling us here that the key to freedom and victory over sin isn't the law. It's the result of yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's being led of the Spirit. And then verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? Paul wants us to understand that if we're going to walk in the Spirit, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, we have to follow the Spirit's lead. He leads, we follow. We follow in His steps and we stay in line with Him. He calls the shots and we follow in His path. Let me give you the next question. How can we walk in the Spirit more consistently? This is what we want. This is what I want. I want to be more consistent in my walk with God. I want to walk in the Spirit more and more instead of in the flesh. Four things I think are necessary to have a more consistent walk with God. To walk more and more in the Spirit. Number one, there needs to be desire. There needs to be desire. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, there has to be a desire to walk in the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus said this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus is saying if you want to be filled with righteousness, you need to hunger and thirst for it. Now although He's speaking about a different type of feeling, being filled with righteousness, you've got to hunger and thirst for it. The principle is the same thing. That if you want to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit and live by the Spirit, You've got to pursue life in the Spirit. You've got to desire it. I'm afraid that sometimes the reason we aren't more consistent in our walk with God is because we don't desire to be more consistent in our walk with God. That the reason we aren't walking in the Spirit more and more is because we don't desire to walk in the Spirit more and more. That we kind of take life just as it comes and we just kind of put things on cruise control and we just accept it as it is. And we don't strive for more. Hear me, if we simply respond to life as it comes without being determined to walk in the Spirit, you're going to walk in the flesh. If you don't have a desire and make a decision to walk in the Spirit, you're going to give in to the flesh. Why? Because that's our default nature. Listen, I understand that God works in us and we have a new nature and we've become new creations, but guess what? The sinful nature is still there and if you don't determine I'm going to seek God and walk in the Spirit by default, you're going to give into the flesh. Let me say it this way. If you don't fight against the flesh, you're going to feed the flesh. I'm going to say it one more time. You don't fight the flesh. You're going to feed it. You see, walking in the flesh, that's natural. That's easy for us. That's our default mode. We spend a lot more time walking in the flesh than we do walking in the Spirit. Why? Because we spent much of our life walking in the flesh. Amen? 
Now I'm 38 years old, be 39 next month, and so when I got saved to now, I'm, I'm, I'm about split it. About half and half walking in the flesh, and I don't always walk in the flesh now, so, but the years are starting to measure out a little bit for me. But the fact is, we, we spend a lot more time in the flesh than we do in the spirit. Just because that's what comes natural. It's easy just to give in. It's easy just to put things on cruise control and just let it happen. You see, we've got to stop being fooled by this popular automatic cruise control kind of Christianity that's being preached today that just sit back, enjoy the ride, and let God do it all. See, there's a lot of Christians who want to live their lives by this motto, just let go and let God. Listen, God does do a work in us and God does change us and transform us, but here's the thing. The Bible also tells us that there is a part that we do in our sanctification and in our holiness. The Bible does tell us that we are to cleanse ourselves, perfecting holiness in the sight of God. We ought to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's look at some scripture. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do you see, we do something. We don't just sit back and take it easy. God works in us and we work out what God works in us. God's putting new desires. God's putting new affections. God's putting new priorities in us. And we work those things out. We don't just sit back in cruise mode. God's changing on the inside and we work those changes on the outside. God didn't save you to leave you as you were. He loves you too much to leave you as you were. Look at Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection. But I notice this, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. He said, I'm straining forward to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul didn't just sit back and do nothing. He said, I'm pressing on to maturity. The writer of Hebrews says, let's go forward to maturity. You don't just sit back and do nothing. I, I'm just going to let God handle it all. No. You have to have a desire to move forward. A desire to walk in the Spirit. If you don't have that desire, you get into carnality. But secondly, confession. You want to walk in the Spirit more consistently instead of in the flesh? It requires confession of sin. You see, sin interrupts our fellowship with God. And so as believers, we've got to confess our sins in order to maintain our intimacy and fellowship with God. What does it mean to confess sin? Confessing sin means we have to agree with God from our heart about our sin. In other words, literally it means 
to say the same thing about our sins that God says about them. In other words, if God says it's wrong, you say it's wrong. If God says we ought not to do that, we say we ought not to do that. We call it like God calls it. That's what it means to confess. Sin. In 1 John 1.9 it says this, that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we call it like God calls it, He'll cleanse us and forgive us. Now here's what I want to say to us tonight as believers. We need to practice confession of sin more than we think. We need to practice it more than we think we do. I'm not talking about trying to practice confession of sin to be saved over and over again. But I'm talking about if you want to walk close to God and have intimacy with God and fellowship with God and stay near to God, you need to practice confession of sin more than you think you do. Because we think that if we're not... We think, well, preacher, I'm not out there lying and cheating and stealing and getting drunk and doing all these things that I don't need to practice it that much. Listen, just because we are out there overtly committing evil doesn't mean we shouldn't be confessing sin. Romans 14.23, the last part of it says, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. In other words, whatever that we're not doing that is completely of faith, and if we're not living in complete obedience to Christ, it's sin. I didn't put the Scripture in here, but you know what James 4.17 tells us, that if we know the good we ought to do and do not do it, it is sin. You see, it's not just about sins of commission, things we do, sins of omission, things we ought to be doing that we're not. That if I see my brother in need and I have the means to meet that need and I shut up my bowels of compassion, how dwells the love of God in me? I'll have to give an account for that. Right? I believe that. You have the means and you see a need and you shut up your bowels of compassion. That's Bible. I believe you'll have to give an account for that. When we're envious and jealous and greedy, covetous, these are things that we're going to have to deal with. These are things that we need to confess. I'll say this. Sin's living without giving priority to the will of God. That when God's not first, and we don't seek God's input in matters, it's sin. That means when we sin, we ought to confess these things to God. That when we allow bitterness in our heart and unforgiveness in our heart, this is sin. And we have to acknowledge these things to God. We have to confess. We have to say the same thing that God says about it. God says it's sin. 
And we have to come clean before God. And when we come clean before Him, He forgives. And it's only when we get forgiveness that then we can surrender to the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit. You see, this is why much of our lives can't be totally surrendered to the Spirit because we have all these things blocking the way. Here's the key to confession. You have to remove yourself from the throne and put Jesus on the throne. Number three, let, let me give you the third thing. Yielding. There has to be desire, there has to be confession, there has to be yielding or surrendering, however you want to word it. But walking in the Spirit requires yielding control of your life to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't take control of your life. He's not just going to come and possess you and say, hey, you're going to walk in my power. You've got to yield that control to Him. And so once we've confessed and agreed with God about our sin, now we're at a place where we can surrender to the Holy Spirit. Once the garbage is out the way, once we've decluttered ourselves of the sin, the Holy Spirit can take control. He can direct what we do. He can lead us in the path that He wants us to go. He can give us experiences He wants us to have. He can lead us down the road to maturity. He can help us to grow and be the men and women that God wants us to be. And here's the thing. He'll stay in control until we decide to take control from Him. Until we take authority back, He'll lead us. A good way to illustrate this is the cruise control on our vehicles. You see, once a driver activates cruise control, he takes his foot, his wheel off the gas pedal. And the cruise control governs the vehicle's speed until when? The driver steps on the brake or steps on the accelerate accelerator to override it. Well, to restore the Spirit's control, a believer has to remove his foot from the gas pedal of life. You have to confess, and you have to submit to the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. Listen, I want the Holy Spirit to be in charge of my life. That means I've got to take the foot off the gas and just let Him be in control. I have to listen to Him, surrender to Him. See, spiritual maturity requires a consistent walk under His control. And so here's what I want to say. Walking in the Spirit requires us to confess our sins often and yielding to Him immediately. Number four, and we're going to get ready to close. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If you've ever seen anybody that's been drunk or filled with alcohol, you'll see that they're, they're prompted to do foolish things they otherwise wouldn't do. You'll get the smallest guy in the bar who thinks he can take on the biggest guy in the bar. He'll do foolish things. 
Well, if you have a believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's empowered to do significant things that otherwise he couldn't do. You see, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He'll help us walk in the Spirit. When we're empowered and just influenced and filled to the full of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about being filled with the Spirit. It's not getting more of the Spirit. The Spirit gets more of you. When He gets more of you, you can walk in Him. Live by His power. And when you walk in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be evidence in your life. It will be produced in your life. Look at Galatians 5, 22, 23. This is what God wants from us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These nine fruit, and let me just say this. One of the things that irks me when people read this sometimes and talk about this, that they want, they want to pluralize it and say fruits. The Bible says it's fruit. It's like a cluster of grapes. You get a cluster of grapes, you have a whole bunch of grapes. It's fruit. Singular. Meaning that when you get one, you get all. All of them supposed to be evident. Not one and then another comes. All of them supposed to come. God wants all of these in your life at the same time. The Spirit produces all of these in our lives. He don't produce one at one time and one later. He wants to produce all of these in our life. But there's nine of them. And they're produced by the Spirit. Listen, not self-effort. Not through our labor. Not through our work. The Spirit produces these. You don't make yourself a more loving person. The Spirit makes you a more loving person. The Spirit produces joy in your life. You can't make yourself more patient. And let me just say this. If you ever say, God, help me to be more patient, you better watch out because He's going going to put people around you that's going to test your patience. Why? Because He's trying to help you be more patient. God wants these fruit to be present within our lives at all times. And how is that possible? It's only possible by learning to yield to the Holy Spirit continually. When we learn to yield to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, we can see these fruit evident in our lives. And let me just say this, the main one is love. It starts out, and listen, everything else flows from love. And when you're overflowing with love, there will be joy and peace and meekness and gentleness, self-control. Everything flows from love. So as I close, the key to living the Christian life is the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to leave tonight thinking that you have to go out and be a better person. I want you to leave knowing that you have the person of the Holy Spirit inside of you and He'll help you be better if you surrender to Him. Because I'm afraid a lot of people leave churches on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights thinking, okay, I just heard this message and i got to go out and be better. No. You go out knowing that there's someone inside of you greater than you that will help you be better if you just yield to Him. That's the answer. Surrender to the Spirit and He'll help you be better. Amen. And so if we would all listen to the Holy Spirit, if we would surrender to His work in our life, our lives would change tremendously.
we wouldn't give in to the lust of the flesh. We'd have greater peace, greater joy. And I believe we could enjoy the presence of God in a greater measure. That's what we all want. Be more consistent. The answer is the Holy Spirit. So as we close in prayer, could we just simply pray and ask God that He'd help us have greater submission to the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives? That's what I want. I just want to be more submissive to Your work in my life. Father, Father,